Well, welcome to week number one of our series, Breaking Free. And it's time that we break free from some things. Maybe you got some things from 2019, been carrying over into 2020. We want to help you begin to break free today. And so I want to begin this morning by sharing God's dream for your life. God has a dream for every one of you, a plan. We believe it's God's dream for your life. And the very first thing is that you would have a growing, developing, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That you would know him, that you would, you would walk with him and, and, and get to know him more. We call that knowing God. We want you to know God, not just about him, but know him in your life personally. The problem and the challenge is that when we give our lives for, to Jesus and we surrender to him, it doesn't mean that everything in our life is fixed and all the other stuff that was going on in our life is ceased. It means that, that we have a new heart. And we're on this new journey, but the reality is all the rest of our life needs to be transformed too by what Jesus is doing in our life. And so we, we need to enter on this journey uh, that God has for us. And I, and I don't want you to trip over this word. I, I want you to just, just get a hold of this word. But what we need is we need to be delivered. Everyone say delivered. Delivered. It's not, it's not head spinning, red eyes. It's not all that crazy stuff. But we need to be set free of some things in our lives. Amen? Because here's what happens. The things that we are in bondage to and that are holding on from the old previous life of giving ourselves, before we gave ourselves to Jesus, they keep us from God's best in our life. And so those things, they hold us back. And so if we want 2020 to be the best year so far, it has to be the best year so far spiritually. And so there's some things that God wants to do in our life. And so those are the first two, know God, find freedom. The third, on the way to God's ultimate goal for us, he wants us to discover why he put us on the earth. And so we call that discovering purpose. God wants you to know why you're here. And then, here's, I got some great news. Some of y'all got some Christmas bills. You know they're coming, right? There's some things coming. That card statement's going to be coming. You're like, oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what. I, don't, don't let it come. Let it get lost in the mail. It's still due. But, it, but, but here's the thing. God puts you on the earth to do more than pay bills and raise kids and be married to somebody else. He puts you, those are wonderful things. If you enjoy that, that's great. But there's something even greater that he has for you. And so he wants you to discover that on the way to his ultimate goal for your life. And that is for you to make a difference. Everyone say, make a difference. So really it's full circle. Think about your life. Someone told you about Jesus, invited you to church, raised you in church, whatever the, the path may have been, but somebody made an investment so that you came to a place that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And what God wants to do is take us on a journey of knowing him, finding freedom, discovering purpose, so that we can help make that same thing true for someone else. That we can help them know Jesus and have a relationship with him. And then the circle begins again. But let's go back to this finding freedom thing for a moment. Because if I'm going to be totally honest as a pastor, uh, what I've seen over and over over the years is that this is where people get stuck. 
We can make a decision. We had many decisions last year for Jesus. But the finding freedom part is a, is a hard step for many people to take. In fact, when people start coming and they're not free, they learn the motions of church. They learn how to go through. They, they learn how to, to talk and act in some ways like they belong to Jesus and have really given their lives fully to him. But the reality is it doesn't always act that way. It's, it's not always that they're delivered. They're just going through the motions. And God wants more for us than that. He wants you to be delivered in, in the innermost part of your being. So what happens is they never find freedom. They look like they have freedom, but they don't. And my goal, and I believe what God wants for you this year, is to have freedom. To be free of those things that have been holding you back. So let's think about Jesus. When we look at the life of Jesus, finding, helping people find freedom was a huge part of his ministry. In fact, the Bible says early in his ministry, he walked into the temple and he took a scroll and he sat down and he read from Isaiah 61. And that same passage is recorded where Jesus read in Luke 4.18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. It's on him. He said, God's spirit is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. In other words, if you will just surrender, Jesus is saying, if you just surrender your life to me, if you'll, if you'll give, go all in with me, I'm going to set you free from being poor in your relationship with God. I'm going to work in your life. I, I'm going to give you a brand new start. And by the way, that's good news. The good news is you don't have to pay for your own sin. Jesus died on the cross. The good news is you don't have to go through life alone. Jesus has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. There's so much good news that Jesus brought. Then he says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom. Freedom to whom? The prisoners. Here's what most of us are. We're prisoners in some area. We may have a relationship with Jesus, but we haven't gotten free in some area of our life. Then he says, and recovery of sight for the blind. There's some of us, we can't really see clearly why God put us on the earth. We don't, we haven't figured out that purpose yet. We're blinded to that. And Jesus wants to help us see that purpose in our lives. He said to set the oppressed free. Here's what I know about stuff that's hanging on from our, our previous years and lives and things that we've been through in life. It's a weight. It's a weight. We're oppressed. You may belong to Jesus. You're, that doesn't mean you're possessed by the devil. But I'm telling you, the devil will put things on your life and weight you down. And what should be light and full of joy because you have relationship with Jesus is heavy and hard. And it's not because Jesus wants it that way. It's because of all those weights. All those things that you carry around. And so then as he begins to set us free and, and set us free of that oppression, it says that Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, there's going to come a day when you're going to be able to say and you're going to be able to speak up. And this is what Jesus set me free of. And then he set me free of this. And now I'm free of that. And by the way, that's an ongoing journey. We never get all free and then now we're done. It's, it's, it's onions. There's just more layers, right? He's just going to help you work through all those things in your life. And he's, he's trying to, to, to help us take that journey. So we see it in the ministry of Jesus in this one passage. Let's look at another one. In Acts 10, 38, it says, talking of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, anointing is just God's presence. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. 
and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why could he do that? Because God was with him. Because God was with him. So he was just going around and wherever he encountered uh, people that needed to be set free, he was setting them free. Jesus, listen, Jesus had a ministry of deliverance. He was going about delivering people. And we need to be delivered from some things. So I think when we get with Jesus, right, he's going to set us free of some things. Amen? Look at this verse in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So we look at just these three verses. There's no doubt Jesus came to set us free. Now here's the question. If Jesus came to set us free of some things, then, then how does the devil go to work in our lives. If he's coming to set us free of the devil, what's the devil's work? Well, what the devil does is he establishes strongholds in our lives. He establishes these areas. We'll define that more in just a minute. But once he has a stronghold, think of it in a military term. If you put a military base in a certain section of a country, that allows you then to go expand into other areas of that country, right? You can resupply, you can take ground, all of that kind of thing. Well, the same thing is true with the devil. What the devil wants to do is establish a stronghold, a base in your life. And he wants to take that and and he wants to expand. In other words, let me say it this way. There's no scenario where we give Jesus most of our lives and yet allow the devil to keep some stronghold in our life where the devil says, I got enough of them, I'm going to stop trying to get more. If he has that little stronghold in your life, one area, he is still going to try to work in every other area of your life because now he's got a base in your life. He always wants more. And so in this Breaking Free series this month, we're, my, my heart, my prayer is that you'll go free where you're, where you're in a stronghold, where you're stuck right now, and that God will do a great work in your life. So I encourage you, come every week because God really wants to set us free of these strongholds. And so we've paired this series with, starting today, most of you probably know, but 21 days of prayer and fasting. Everyone say fasting. Doesn't it just make you hungry when you say the word? Right? You know, prayer and hunger is what we want to what we want to think of, right? Now here's the thing about fasting. Fasting is not done to get God to do something we want him to do. It's not trying to make God do something. Hey God, I, I did this for you now. Would you do this for me? It's, it's not that at all. Fasting is actually removing things of our, from our lives so that we can more clearly hear from and obey God. That's the fundamental part. And when we get more of God in our life, then some of those other things are going to begin to fall off. So I want to challenge you. If you medically can, fast some food. So you may say, Pastor, I don't really, I'm not really that desperate for God this year. I think, you know, maybe this is going to be like an off year. I, I'm, I promise you, just go skip some meals. You'll get desperate. You'll, you'll say, man, I, I can't even go one meal and I feel like I'm going to die. I need Jesus. And you, you're, you're, you're going to get hungry for, for more of God's presence. And then I encourage you to fast some media. Maybe all of it, a bunch of it. If you're having trouble in your thought life, fast media. Just just. Take a break from all that stuff. And then take that time and devote it to worshiping, 
to reading your Bible, to praying, to seeking God. And he's going to do, a, I promise you, he's going to do a refreshing work in your life. If you need resources, go to hpfc.org forward slash fasting and, uh, and, and just, just go all in. Because here's the thing. If you want the greatest benefit from prayer and fasting, you have to decide to engage personally. It's not enough to say, well, the church is praying and fasting. You know, praise the Lord. No, you need to get in on it. Amen? You get it for yourself. And so make the effort to pray, to read your Bible, to worship, even to come starting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We've got weeknight prayer gatherings from 7 to 8 p.m. And then on, that's Monday through Friday, Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. I, I want to just challenge you to come to these gatherings. It's, it's a very simple flow. We have a short devotional, about 10 minutes or so. Then there's time where you can sit and read your Bible. You can worship. You can walk. You can pray. Pray. You can do, do whatever you need to do during that time to just spend time with God. And, and then we end it by praying over some things together as a, as a congregation gathered together. And I want to just challenge you to come tomorrow night. Let's begin the nightly nights of prayer tomorrow night at 7 to 8. And, and we're very consistent on that time and come. And here's, here's what you're going to ha have access to when you come tomorrow night. We've got a brand new 66-page prayer guide that we're going to be giving out tomorrow night. And during the course of the 21 days, we're going to help you lean into this. Some of you want to learn how to pray. You're trying to figure out how to pray more effectively. There's a whole bunch of resources inside this little book. And then the other thing we have for the first time is we have a prayer guide for the kids. So as you bring your young people, you know, students, uh, high school age and up, they might, they'll enjoy this one. They get a lot out of that. But some of your younger ones, they might, they might want something like this. There's places for them to color. And then you can help them grow in their journey with the Lord by being with them in prayer and then coaching them through some of those pieces of the prayer guide. So, so I just encourage you to come tomorrow night and let, let's just get this thing started right. Amen. That we are hungry and desperate for God. With all that said, are you ready for a series verse? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Even with co-workers this week that you'll see. We don't do it like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. To demolish strongholds. So there's areas in your emotions, your finances, your health, addictions, all kinds of things that have become strongholds. And we have the ability to defeat them because our weapons are not the same as how the world does it. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension. That's where we get the word pretend from. Stay, stay connected to that thought. We'll come back to it. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, it's not just the knowledge about God that gets us in trouble. It's the things that we actually believe about ourselves. So the knowledge of God is, when, is about God, but it's also the knowledge of God that we've never applied to our personal situation that can get us in trouble. So all those arguments, all those pretending thoughts set themselves up from those things. And we, here's how we get set free, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
That's our responsibility. So let's look at some strongholds. What, what, what are strongholds, first of all? A stronghold is really a prisoner locked by deception. Locked by deception. It's when you're trapped in a deception. Uh, you're held captive by a deception. Here's the issue with a deception. When you're deceived, you don't typically know that you're deceived. You think it's the truth. But it's actually not. And so you're, a stronghold is where you're deceived and you don't know it, which is what makes it so dangerous. Okay? Here's another part of the definition. Living, it's when you live life by something that is not true. You're living your life. You're making decisions. You're walking life out by something that is not true. So let's talk about human relationships a little bit. For example... When we make an assumption about someone who has hurt us or disappointed us without confirming it with them. In other words, they do something, we make an assumption about what their intent and their heart, their motive was. We never go back and check with them. Then what we might be doing is believing a lie about them because we never confirmed it, right? So our assumption could be a misrepresentation of reality because we never checked it out with him. If you're married, you know this has happened, okay? You just, you just assume something they said came from one place, but the reality it came from a very different place. And so when we don't check with them, then what we do is we believe a lie, and then here's where it gets really dangerous. We often pass it on to somebody else. Can you believe what they did? Right? We never checked it out. So, listen, this, this gets really crazy. Soon, we leave reality for a mental creation of our own doing. In other words, because we believe that lie, we're creating this old, our own world. We, we create a counterfeit world with our lies. We do it about others, and we do it about ourselves, especially ourselves. Now, here's the thing. Listen carefully. And in, do, in so doing... We exclude God from that part of our lives. So in other words, where you believed a lie, you exclude God because God only uh, dwells where reality and truth exist. God does not dwell in the lies that we believed. That is not from God. So my goal in this message and this series is to help you believe that you really can be delivered from every lie and every stronghold of the enemy. I love what Beth Moore says a stronghold is. She says it's anything that exalts itself in our minds pretending, there's that word again, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. It acts like it's more powerful. What's that lie? about yourself that, that seems to be stronger than what God says about you. Now, for example, let me, let me share. Many of you have heard this story. Uh, this uh, happened to a, a woman, young lady, a 14-year-old girl, by the name of Elizabeth Smart, was abducted. She was taken captive by a man. She was held in a tent for nine months um, there and, and at the beginning of it. And, uh, and she was raped every day. And he finally convinced her that she would never escape. And then he got so bold, he began to take her out into the community. And one time, they were actually at a library. And he was there, and she was just a, a few steps away. 
And a police officer came up and showed a picture of Elizabeth Smart to the man and said, have you seen this woman? We're looking for her. And he said, no. And yet Elizabeth Smart was standing just a couple steps away. She heard the conversation. And if she would have merely cried out or said something, she had been rescued from her hell. But she said nothing because she had bought a lie that she would never escape. What I want to say to us today, as tragic as it was for her, it's also tragic for each and every one of us that we're only a few steps with Jesus away from being free from our stronghold, and yet many of us will not take those steps. I want to challenge you today, let's take the step. Let's get the freedom that God has for us. So you need to understand something. The devil actually has no real power and he has only, uh, he has some power. Let me say it this way. He has some power, but no real authority. The only authority the devil has is the authority that you and I give him when we believe a lie. When we buy the lie, we give him the authority. So when we believe those lies over and over again, they become strongholds in our lives. And they limit us from what God has for us. So what does a stronghold look like? What are some of the symptoms that you might have a stronghold? Here's several in your notes. It steals your focus. You keep trying to move forward with God or or take ground for God, but you keep getting pulled back into this other area and you get off course. Another thing that can happen, it can cause us to feel controlled. We feel like people or others or something is controlling us when in reality, what's controlling us is the lie that we believed. And here's the thing. It's always with you because you're always with you, right? It's always present. And so it it begins to form an identity in us and it, it, it controls us. And then it consumes our emotional energy. You just can't seem to to do what God wants you to do. You're just drained all the time. In fact, you feel hopelessness a lot. You feel depression a lot. And you do that because there is a stronghold in your life, which is caused by believing a lie. Another symptom of strongholds is they distract us from our purpose. Or really a byproduct of a stronghold is we're distracted from our purpose. Now, this series this month is primarily for those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus. It'll help anyone. But, but here's the thing you got to understand. The devil, I don't think the devil really cares much whether you go to heaven. He doesn't care. But what he cares a lot about is you bringing someone else with you to heaven. You making a difference for Jesus. So he'll do everything he can to get you distracted, to get you drained of energy, to take your time, to take your courage, to say, well, I can't really do much from God because I got this thing over my life, this this stronghold in my life, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to get away away from it. And he'll just keep us busy with that little stronghold. And uh, and it's a big thing, but it's not big compared to Jesus, right? And we'll miss out on what God has for us. See, I think even... This will be strong that the devil wins when all of our prayers are only about us. What we need, what we want, our problems, our issues, 
When we come to church, it's about how we like it, not about how it needs to be for those who are not yet here. See, when we, we, we've got to get to the place where we get our eyes off of ourselves. Jesus said we've got to lift up our eyes for the fields are white unto harvest. It's not about us. We've got to get to that place during these 21 days of prayer and fasting where, yes, we pray about our things. But one of the things, even more than that, we're praying about is for people we know and situations we know outside of our own selves where God needs to come in and do an amazing work. That we get that focus on someone else. We begin to fast. We begin to pray, not just for our stuff. We read our Bible, not just for our stuff but for those who yet need to know Jesus. So don't let the enemy distract us from our purpose. And then another symptom or another effect of a stronghold, it'll rob you of an abundant life. God has an abundant life for you. See, for some of us, you're coming out of 2019 and you're in survival mode. 2019 was a terrible year. Or it ended terribly. Or all you remember about 2019 is all the things that went wrong. And you're kind of in survival mode. And I, I want you to know that you can believe what Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. The thief is not Jesus. The thief is the devil. He's coming to steal from you. And so what God wants for us today is to get to this place in 2020 that we're free of these strongholds. That when you wake up in the morning, you're not going, oh no, another day. You're going, man, I get to live for Jesus today. I'm full of life. I'm full of joy. I'm full of hope. I'm full of purpose. God has some wonderful things for me today. So if you see those symptoms in your life of those strongholds, just be aware there's something underneath it. So here's my prayer. I believe it's God's prayer. It's even God's desire for you because it's said in Scripture, 2 Timothy 2.26. He says, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. I want that for you. I want that for some of you more than you want it for yourself. I can't make it happen, but I want to create a hunger this morning. I want you to have a desire to come to your senses, escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by the devil to do whatever he wants. God's got something better for you. God wants better. So, so how, do we begin, how, how do we begin getting free? Well, let me give you some things that we offer as a church here just to help you get free. First of all, you know, you're in service. Well, accept Jesus. Surrender your life to him. Get to know God and start that, that process growing. And then if you haven't, come to our four-week growth track. You can start today right after this service and uh, just one hour over four weeks, four weeks, one hour a week. And you can learn a lot about yourself, a lot about the church. And you'll begin to discover how you're wired and how that fits into the purposes of God for your life. And then in February, we begin small groups. And so let me talk to two groups of people this morning. Some of you, you've been in groups for a while. And I want to just encourage you to ask God, or maybe, maybe just make sure he's confirming, because I'm asking you too, uh, to consider leading a small group. You say, oh, I don't know what I could do, and, and I don't really understand Scripture that well. Uh, how many like to eat? Okay, so these small groups start after 21 days of fasting and prayer, Okay. But we can show you, how, if you like to go out to eat once a week with some friends and talk about Jesus and pray and encourage one another, we can show you how to, how to turn one meal into a small group a week. 
So, so if you're interested, I want you to write on the top of your connection card, group. If you say, you know, I'd like to know more about leading a group, write group on the top of that connection card and we'll get back with you. But for all of us, I want to challenge you when groups open in February, find a group and get in it. I mean, who doesn't want people praying for them? Who doesn't want someone to encourage them? Who doesn't want someone to believe in the best for them? That's what our small groups are about. And so, so I encourage you to, to get in a group. And if you don't know which group to get into, sometime in your journey here at his place, I want to challenge you to come to our freedom group. We'll have one this spring. And in this group, we help you. We expand on some of these concepts we're teaching in this series. And we help you really get free in some areas that you may be in bondage, even unawares. And so for some of you, that's the group to be. For some of you, you've been through a freedom group, but you're like, man, I still got some stuff I got to deal with. Well, then I want you to come back through the freedom group. Come back again. Let's peel that onion a little more and let's get free. You want to get free? Anybody want to get free of strongholds? Amen. I I believe God wants you free. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus tells us in Luke 11, 21, when a strong man... It's really an illustration here. When a strong man armed to the teeth stands guard in his front yard, his property is safe and sound. But what if a stronger man comes along with superior weapons? I love that. Then he is beaten at his own game. The arsenal that gave him such confidence hauled off and his precious possessions are plundered. Now here's the thing you got to understand. Jesus already did the heavy lifting. He already died on the cross for your sins. He already died on the cross, was raised from the dead to defeat every strategy of the devil. He's, he's, he's done all the heavy lifting. He is the stronger man. He is the stronger God, if you will. He is God. So he is the stronger one. But he, 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 is, he has done the heavy work. So now he's asking us to engage and take authority over our strongholds. And of course, that requires action on our part. Isn't that right? So how do we do it? How do we do our part? First of all, we do this. We take back our thought life. Take back our thought life. See, some of us have the mindset that every thought that comes along is ours. And it's not. The devil will give you thought. You can raise your hand if you want, but but how many of y'all just have, sometimes you just have crazy thoughts. I mean, you're not crazy, but it's like this. Where did this thought come from, right? Can I tell you, it may not be you. It's the enemy giving you a thought. And it doesn't become your thought until the moment that you decide to kind of grab a hold of that thought and start thinking about it. And when you do that, now it's your thought. So not every thought that the enemy gives you, you have to take a hold of. You can just go, ah. Get out of here, devil. In Jesus' name, go on. I, I ain't thinking on that. And you don't think. So, you, so you've got to understand, you've got to take back your thought life. Who has the power to take back your thought life? Well, Jesus de- delegated that to you. He gave it to you. Look at this verse in Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So there's a connection between what you think and whether you're pleasing God or causing your own trouble, sinful things. It says, so letting your sinful nature, who, who does the letting? We do. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. You're not maybe going to drop over physically, but it'll destroy some area of your life. 
You can have death in your finances. You can have death in some other relationship. You can have death in different areas. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Some of us were so tormented. Can I tell you, it's got not God's plan for you to be tormented in your thought life. You got thoughts, maybe some of those thoughts of things that happened in the past, things you've been through, things you've done, and they just torment you. God wants you to have, look at this, life and peace. So let me ask again, who's in charge of your thought life? We are. We are. Absolutely, we are. God gave you the power, listen, to choose his thoughts, but you must choose his thoughts. You have to be intentional. So what do you have to do? You, ha- you and I have to go from being passive to intentional. So you can't just let every thought that comes through you, oh, okay, thinking of that. You know, I'll just grab a hold of it. No, 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 no. You, you've, you've got to be intentional. So if you, if you think on and meditate on any thought that just happens to come through your head, you're buying the devil's lie because now he can feed you a diet of those thoughts and you're going to take them, you're going to meditate on them, you're going to act on them, you're going to be suspicious about everybody, you're going to prejudge people, you're going to do all kinds of things and he's got you right where he wants you. And the reason it's such a challenge for us to, to reject that is because many times uh, our, it's our thoughts that are the problem. And where do our thoughts come from? Our thoughts come from what we've fed our mind. What we've fed our mind. So they've, caught, they've come from those friends that aren't a good influence. They've come from those movies that you've been watching, from that social media that you've been putting on the inside of you, from in your mind rehashing what that person did to wrong you. And you start thinking on that stuff, and that's the, that's the well, that's the reservoir you draw thoughts from. Of course, those thoughts are not going to line up with the Word of God. So what do we do? We've got to take control of our thought life. We've got to take back our thoughts, and we've got to change what we feed our mind. A big part of how to get free is to change what you feed your mind. Look at what Romans 12, 2 says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So to change the way you think, you got to change on, on what you feed. Okay? Something else from this verse. Who does the transforming? God does the transforming. Jesus does the transforming. He does the transforming, but we've got to do the changing the way we think. And of course, he'll work with us. He'll empower us to do that, but but we've got to change our thoughts. So we let God transform us. He's the only one who can, but our part is to change the way we think. Now, honestly, transformation will not happen because we make a New Year's resolution and say, I want to think differently in 2020. It's not going to happen that way. It happens when you actually change the way you think. Sure, decide to do it, but change the way you think. You say, Pastor, stop saying change the way you think. But I'm trying to get you to change. Come on, work with me here. Change the way I think, right? So when you have a thought come in your, in your mind, I want you to take charge. And you can take charge by asking some questions. Let me give you a couple. Just stop and ask, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? 
You ever had that conversation with a spouse or somebody else and they kind of just zone out? It's like there's, and you ask, what are you thinking? And they say nothing. Mm, I don't believe in one bit. They're thinking something. They might be planning my demise. I don't know what they're doing, but they're thinking something, right? And here's the truth. We all do it. Not just in conversation with someone else. Some of us, you know, there's times we work in with our hands or things and your, your mind isn't really engaged because you've done it a million times. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you find you're, you're thinking a thought. And you're on that thought, and then a child or a spouse comes in and they say something, nothing wrong, nothing bad, nothing evil, but you, you, you react out of the emotion of the thought of what you were just thinking about. And they're like, well, where did that come from? That's because you were over here thinking, and you didn't know what you were thinking. So you got to ask yourself, what, am I, what was I thinking? And then ask yourself, what should I be thinking? Am I supposed to be thinking what I'm thinking? If not... Make the change. And here's why this is so important on a very practical level. Your thought life determines your emotions. So you, you know, any of you can, can make yourself depressed and discouraged. Just start thinking on a bunch of depressing things and do it long enough. I'm not, I'm not dis, by the way, I'm not dismissing depression and mental health when I say that, but I'm saying some of us make it worse than it already is because we're focused on the wrong things in our thought life. Amen? So we can change it around. You want to change your emotions? Start changing your thoughts. Uh, you're like, Pastor, come on. How, how do I do this? Well, one more step first. We got to identify the lie. What's the lie? What's the lie I'm believing? So you rec- as you begin to be more aware and you begin to recognize what your, your idle thoughts are on, then ask yourself, what lie am I believing? What is it that I'm believing? Is this, is this true? Is this right? Or is this a lie? When you do that, you're going to begin to see your thought life change because you're going to be more aware of what you're thinking. But let's define what a lie is. And I'm going to give, give you a few examples here. Some of us, we're, we're stuck and it's become a stronghold because we can't forgive this person for what they've done to us. And in our idle time, we began to think about how they wronged us. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. Some of you right now, you're thinking about a person. A face came up. A conversation came up. I can't believe I'm, they did that. What you're doing is you're buying into a lie that you can't forgive. Here's the thing. You may never forget, but you can forgive. It's a choice. It's a decision. Unforgiveness is like lighting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies from smoke inhalation. It doesn't work. You're going to get the worst end of the deal. Some of us, we're addicted to things. You say, I'm not addicted to anything. Okay, well, just don't take that coffee tomorrow morning. Let's see how that goes. All right, see, y'all got angry. I I can see it. There's some, some resistance here. And I'm not picking on your coffee, addi- I mean, your coffee drinking. Um, so I'm not picking on that. But, but I'm just saying, there's, there's things that we can be addicted to and not even realize we're addicted to it. And we buy the lie that we'll never get free. We got to understand we can. Some of us, you know, I had a goal last year to lose 20 pounds. I'm only up five. It's been a good year. Come on, right? You know, I didn't really set a goal. I just said I should lose 20 pounds, which is different than setting a goal, by the way. But some of us, we buy the lie. You know, I'll never get that weight off, or I'll never get in shape, or I'll never get healthy. We're buying into a lie. 
And we've got to recognize, what lie am I believing? Some of us, we don't think we'll be financially stable. I'll just, you know, I'm just never going to have a better job. Who said that? You can, you, God can work in your life. You can get to another place. Amen? You can move ahead. So when you recognize your false belief is a lie, you immediately know who sent it. Who sent it? The devil. Because here's what Jesus said in John 8, 44. He, the devil, has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How, how, how do you know it's a lie? Because the devil's talking. Anything he says, every little thing that comes from him is a lie. A hundred percent of the time. So what if you could compare your thoughts, which might also be connected to his th- the devil's thoughts, to God's thoughts? Would that begin to make a difference? I, I think it would. Did you know that there's a 600 billion counterfeit goods market in the world? 600 billion. But you know how they figure out if it's counterfeit or if it's fake? They take the fake and they compare it to the genuine and the real. You don't compare the genuine to the fake. You compare the fake to the real. So here's a thought. When your thought comes up, and you're thinking the only way you know is if this is right or wrong is by comparing it to a known source of truth, which is the Word of God. He has truth for us. Amen? Which is number three. Replace the lie with God's truth. You can't just let the lie remain there. You actually have to actively reject it and, and, don't miss the and, replace it with the truth of God's word. This is, this is really spiritual warfare. People get freaked out by spiritual warfare, but it's really taking the lies of the enemy and replacing them with the word of God. Here's what Ephesians 6, 10, and I've only put 10 and 18 in here, but it's this passage. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now look at this verse. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God offensive weapon. You want to take background? You've got to use the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. So what do we do? We compare our thoughts to the word of God. We compare our thoughts to the word of God. We take the word of God and we find out what it says. So so to get free of that lying cycle, we've got to say, well, what does God's word say about me? We've, we've got to stop, compare that thought to the scripture, which is why having a Bible reading plan is really important. And if you need one, you can go to the Uversion app has them, but, but also you can go to our website, Chronological Old Testament and New Testament at the same time, even though they actually go like this. You just take the old and new together so you get a little bit of both. You can go through that just a few minutes every day and you can read your Bible and see that God has great things for you. And then you also need to come to church and be in a small group because, you know, you can take almost any scripture out of context and get it to mean whatever you want it to mean. And so we, we explain, we lay out things here to help you understand the scripture. Let's just take one example. For example, some of us, we struggle with the idea that God really loves us. Oh, he loves pastor better. He loves so-and-so better. 
You know, even pastor has a thought sometimes that God loves somebody better than him, right? You know, I even struggle with that. We all have this thought. But here's what John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. You're in the world, I'm in the world, which means God loves us. And we can believe that we're, we're lovable, that we're, we matter enough that God would love us, that he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. No one would do that unless they truly loved you. Right? You're loved. You need to recognize that. So this is just one area. And then the other thing besides the word of God is prayer. Because here's the thing. As you begin to pray scripture, you will get it in your heart at a deeper level. Part of my job is to help you prioritize 21 days of prayer, get prayer in your life. And that's why we do different emphasis on prayer throughout the year. The first thing I learned as a pastor that most people don't do is read their Bible and pray enough. It's been my, my lifelong ministry mission to help people pray and get in God's word because, listen, it's life transforming. You'll defeat those strongholds and you'll be able to live in victory. So this morning, let's bow our heads. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. I'm going to actually ask God to help begin to free you from some strongholds that you may be dealing with this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for each one. Lord, we covered a lot of material today. But Father, most of all, we just need you to come work in our lives. Give us the power. Help us to recognize thoughts that are not of you. Help us to reject them and say no devil. And help us to replace them with the word of God. Help us to pray those thoughts. Speak them to you. Put our name in those scriptures. Make them come alive on the inside of us, Lord, we pray. Father, I pray that you would help people this morning. Right now, set them free of strongholds. Those that are listening to my voice today, set them free of those strongholds in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be sitting here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor, I really don't even have that no God down. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. But you can begin one today. Simply by believing God, in God, that Jesus was sent, raised from the dead. And as you do that, God's going to give you a new life from the inside out. So let's pray that. Maybe some of you are here this morning, you've, you've, you've had a tough 2019. You're coming back to the Lord. Pray this same prayer and God's going to do work in your life. Let's say it with those who've already prayed and meant it. Let's say it together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you to lead my life, to be my Savior. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.